It's a sweltering summer, August 2010. I just finished my bachelor's in accounting and I am ready to move to Tampa, Florida with one of my best friends, Andy. I'm excited. I'm moving away from my hometown. This is going to be a great experience for me. I'm going to be by the beach, which I absolutely love. I'm going to be able to start a new career with my undergraduate degree. And I'm feeling like what I'm going to do is going to be fulfilling to me. It's going to be the start of a new adventure. And who doesn't like a good adventure? Once we get down to Tampa, we have a beautiful apartment with a great pool. The sun's amazing. We meet some new friends and everything is going well. Three weeks later, I go to a skate park after working out, which was a humongous no-no for me. Do not work out before you skateboard because you need your full undivided body's attention to be able to accomplish everything that you do. I slip, very good skateboarder, just warming up, and I break my arm. Breaking my arm takes me to the hospital because my arm is broken. They need to set it, so they put me under anesthesia. This anesthesia is the third round of anesthesia I have had since my mono infection that was a year and a half ago. At this point in my life, I'm faced with massive anxiety, depression, no energy, and it's becoming harder and harder for me to actually help myself even survive on a day-to-day basis. Not only that, I'm working from home, doing an accounting job that I completely feel unfulfilled by completing on a daily basis, not really optimal for me as a person. Not only am I doing that, I'm also in Tampa. I thought Tampa was gonna be a great outdoors experience with a lot of people who like doing outdoors exercises, experiences. However, Tampa is not so much that. It's really heavily focused around drinking. And at this point, I feel so terrible that I can't even participate in that activity anymore. So I'm faced with quite the experience of, do I continue on in Tampa? Or do I have to move back home to Chicago just to be able to take care of myself and to get my life on track? Not only that, I'm also not a fan of the work I'm doing. And any time that I do something that I am not in congruence with, it leads me down a path of darkness, unfulfillment, lack of motivation, and not feeling like I have a purpose. And without a purpose, I am not feeling confident in what I'm doing. So now how does this lead into Pokemon Go? How do I start a YouTube channel? It's time to take a break from your day and let us build it in a positive way. This is Break and Build with Brad and Billy. Episode 8. If you've been with us this long, man, you must be fans of listening to us or seeing our beautiful faces if you're watching on a platform that has video. Or all the above. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like why not go go listen on one go watch on one like you can listen to it like seven different times right you might as well because you love us that much uh yeah and you know we try to provide as much value as possible with our real world experience sacrifices <laughs> exactly exactly uh so we've kind of been jumping all over the place we started following our you know our journey and friendship and stuff like that and a lot of lessons and we kind of jumped over into pokemon scene uh so if you have been listening to those things. Obviously, we're trying to touch on a lot of different interests and likes. Uh, today, we're going to focus a lot more on Billy and just his career and choosing a career and a lot of the struggles that he faced and that you might also face when trying to just figure out what you want to do in life. And then we'll kind of touch on mine in a different episode. But we really want to go into kind of his path, his journey, and the content creation world uh, that he's currently you know, living in. So... What I mean, I can I can go way back. So like to keep this as simplified as possible from the beginning, 
you know, you went to college for accounting, right? Yep. So that is the truth. That is the the, the <laughs> least thing I would ever think. Let me just straight up say that. I don't ever think that I could see Billy being an accountant from knowing what he's done in his life. Like going to school for accounting for him is just like right over my head. Like you're going to, you're going to really, <laughs> I think it went right over my head too. It's just like, <laughs> I can't believe I even did that. <laughs> so, so you did that. And, and then when you got done with the college and stuff like that, where was your headspace at? And then kind of walk us through the, the next step. Yeah, totally. So I'll just start with, we talked about me being a skateboarder, right? So yep. that was kind of like my first career career. So I virtually did that. I started when I was 10 and I kind of did it really, really hardcore up until I was like 18, 19. So I got sponsored when I was 14, which we probably can do another episode on like extreme sports and all that stuff, but I'll just go quick into it. And then, so that was like my first thing that I really found like super passionate. I remember at age 14, I had to make a choice what I was going to play for the high school soccer team. Or was I going to pursue skateboarding? Because I knew in my heart that I couldn't do both of them because it was going to be way too big of a time commitment to get really good at one of the two. So that was like my first career. And so just to lead you guys into the college scene, I was 18. You know, I was kind of taking like more advice from my parents at the time. So I told them like, hey, I want to move to the West Coast. I want to be a pro skateboarder. They already knew that. They encouraged me to go to college. And when I was done, then I could move to the West Coast and then I could be safe with a career <laughs> in accounting or whatever I was going to do in college with a degree. So I went there, did you know, started to do that, kind of got involved in the party scene. And I, it just kind of started like uh, skewing me into a different direction as opposed to like focusing me in skateboarding. So um, by that time, my body had already taken like a pretty good toll. So I don't know if it was more of a subconscious thing or if it was because I don't really remember consciously choosing it, but like getting hurt and skateboarding, like skateboarding careers are shorter. So I remember getting through like half of my college career and they're like, you have to choose a major. And I was in business because it kind of came easy for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what do I do? I remember going to my dad, like, I don't even know what to do. Like, you know, I kind of like finance. He's like, just choose. A, he's an accountant. Just choose accounting. It's a safe background. So, you know, I just choose accounting. I would have rather done finance because it was a lot more fun. And graduate relatively good i mean like a 3.9 almost gpa so i mean it like you know at the end of that i i interned from junior and senior year had everything down like you know i was going to school full time and then working relatively full slash part time in the city taking the train from elmhurst college all the way into the city and graduated college and honestly like I kind of stopped skateboarding hardcore at that point. I knew that like I couldn't pursue it to that nth degree and I didn't want to get like, you know, super hurt where it's like a life-changing injury because I knew how short that career could be. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I did and that I didn't like do something that like really jacked me up. But at the same time, like I got out and like, honestly, I was just like a wanderer and me and Brad were doing like Halo at that point. So like that was fun, but for a career standpoint, I had like absolutely nothing. And I worked two years during this time frame at an accounting job. And it was like the most constricting, I wouldn't say miserable. It was just like a very constricting feeling for me. Yeah. I mean, you always, you want to have the freedom and flexibility to, you know, do what you want to do and everything. And right as you started to work there for a little bit, then you also started that kind of become more health conscious and started to have the health problems. Um, mm -hmm. So it just kind of started to open up 
your world to, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And, right. you know, I had the, the very similar revelation of why am I working at Walgreens, um, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. And sometimes, you know, you just have to take risks and you have to say, I am not happy. It is time to make a change. As scary Absolutely. as that thought process is, like it is the scariest thought process, like to quit a job, to pick up and move, you know, yep. to take a new job somewhere. Like there's so many things that it's just like, you don't want to leave your safe bubble, right? Because there's so many risks involved with it. But at the end of the day, if you're not happy, why do it? Right. You can say that for exactly. so many things in your life. Um, and to be honest, like you only like are in this time space, whatever your religion or belief is about what life is, whether you think you come back as a different person or don't come back or whatever it is, that's you regardless. But we can agree that in this time space right now, you only have like one chance to do this. So what's the point of taking this life that is temporary? I'm not saying to be, you know, outlandish and do really dumb things that could get you hurt or whatever that is. But if you're looking to build something, if you're looking to create something, if you're looking to do something different, like there's no reason that you should not do that, right? As Brad said. And also, the older we get, the less likely we are to take some type of massive leaps in our life. So I just know like for myself what what I wanted. Brad knew what he wanted. Eventually, we got to those places and then started going after it. But don't get complacent to the fact where it's like you've listened to other people, you know, you've been in this job for 10 years, you fall in this like, oh, my 401k, like, dude, like your 401k is cool. And I'm not saying to go quit your job tomorrow. But I'm saying like, if you have something that like really lights you up, don't get complacent. Like when we're kids, we're not afraid to go out into the yard and start trying to play soccer, even though we suck. Like, that's not even a thought for us. It's like, go out there. You already know you suck at everything. So just go and do everything. Right. And then as you get older, you start becoming like conscious. Okay. Like these things are good. I'm good at this. This is easy for me. This is easy. This is my skill set. But then maybe something comes along where it's like, I really want to try this. And then we get like backed off. We're Mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Right. And so I just encourage everybody out there that's listening, just like, Don't be afraid to start something new, even though you're going to suck, because every time you start something new, there's a high probability you're going to suck. You're not going to start another language if you want to learn a language and be a masterful, artful Spanish speaker. And you've never spoken Spanish besides say hola. (laughs) (laughs) So so you you did the accounting stuff. And then if I remember correctly, that's when you picked up and you moved down to Tampa, right? Yeah. After that, so you picked up and you moved down to Tampa and what did you do in Tampa and what was your idea of the next step to finding your career? There was absolutely no idea. It was literally <laughs> there, just there we go. take there a we jump go. and move. And it was just like, I wanted to get out of Illinois. Like I felt like, you know, I, I had been in Illinois for so long. Mm-hmm. I wanted to move to California. I literally told my buddy in California, I was like, Hey man, I know you're lease is ending up in august just tell me the place and i will literally be there i have money i will drive out there and he never got back to me so um just ended up going with andy uh he wanted to go to orlando i was like you know i'll do i'll do florida but i'm not going to do orlando like i'll do tampa i'll compromise with you so we ended up going to tampa and it was just going down there to like literally just like be by the beach party and play halo that's when like my I just, yeah, play Call of Duty, 
<laughs> and I was working actually like I quit my job at the accounting, but I got down there and like the jobs that I was finding like weren't so congruent for me. And so I reached back out and I was like, hey, guys, like if you still need help, because I knew they were kind of overwhelmed and they didn't want me to go like I'll just work from home. So I ended up working from home, which gave me some flexibility. But the work just wasn't like it wasn't building enough. It's like very constricting. And Brad knows the feeling to like work for somebody when it's not like something that you're actually building like for yourself and there's mm -hmm. so many restrictions and it's so monotone. So yeah, I went down there, ended up breaking my arm, got surgery, whole bunch of slew of health issues, which we'll definitely go into a whole episode on like how to be healthy, but it's too much toxicity, basically crashed me, anxiety, depression. And yeah, that's when I, I kind of started having like a redirection in life. The challenge brought me to redirection. Yeah. And then you started to go into like personal training and nutrition and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Right. So you went and you got full blown certified to be a personal trainer and you started doing all yep. that stuff. And then you said, Hey, I'm going to go get my master's in nutrition on top of this. Right. <laughs> so it's just like yep. this completely different path got turned when he got hurt and started doing that stuff and being healthy became so important to him that, you know, he, he just started doing all of this other stuff and he was, uh, working at gyms, he was personal training people and he was going down that whole road. And what made you like or not like that then? So now you're a personal trainer, you're going to mm -hmm. school to be a nutritionist, you're doing nutrition stuff on the side and everything like that as well. Yep. How, how was that experience for you? And what, what made you not? Why are you not in that currently? Yeah. Yeah. So after I got sick in Tampa, I couldn't care for myself. So I basically called my parents and I was like, hey, you know, like this stuff's happening. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. Um, I have, you know, no energy. Like, is it cool if I move home? Because I literally like don't feel like I can care for myself in this state of where I'm at in my life. And so they welcomed me back and virtually was just like searching for answers. So I uh, went to multiple doctors. Like I said, we'll go into all this, but eventually it led me to a nutritionist who is also a chiropractor and that chiropractor kind of like, you know, you're doing accounting but you don't like it. Like, you know, we have a gym here. Why don't you go and do personal training? So I found an NPTI school. It was basically trade school because there's multiple ways you can mm -hmm. go about being a personal trainer. You can just go take a test or you can like go to a trade school. And I didn't want to just take a test. I wanted to like have hands-on experience and go into that school. The teachers there were super knowledgeable about nutrition, like beyond what was required from them and to a different level than a lot of the other personal training. You know, like usually they're talking about, hey, just eat, you know, eat, eat dairy once a week or whatever it is. And like, they were like, just like took nutrition and understanding of that to the whole next level. So went through that, got that, started working for the chiropractor that I was under care with. And, you know, I, I really like helping people. And so we'll get to this about the Pokemon and, you know, how it, it kind of like threw me for a loop in my own head about helping people. But, you know, I really just like that aspect of it. And, I thought that I was going to be getting into something that was more fulfilling for me. And while it was more fulfilling than accounting, it still felt constricting and it still felt a little monotonous, almost as if I was like a babysitter to some people that just wanted to make small changes in their life, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just kind of felt how I felt. It was like I was patching people's potentially bad diets that I addressed with a lot of people that they didn't want to change or they would always come back with a reason as to why they didn't change. And I would just be the, you know, 45 minutes, two times a week, personal trainer to that person. So in that regard, like I liked it, it was different. It gave me a lot more freedom and flexibility to do with AGL and everything that we started to do. 
but then it kind of also gave me another roadblock that I wasn't really willing to accept as far as a career path. So then you do that and you find yourself down in Atlanta going to mm-hmm. uh, Life University, right? Is that where you went too? Yeah. Did you go so my brother, my brother wanted to be a chiropractor, is a chiropractor. So there's two schools, Iowa or Atlanta, that are basically like the top two schools to be in the U.S. And so he chose Atlanta. I wasn't doing anything at the time. So I was like, yeah, I'll move down to Atlanta with you. We're going to start this practice and you'll be the chiropractor. I'll be the nutritionist. We'll be a good team. And so the goal is just move to Atlanta. I'll be submerged in there. I can, my plan is to go to my master's degree in nutrition online. And so whatever I do, I can do it from anywhere. So why be here when I can just be in Atlanta? So I moved down and then that's where the story picks up of Brad following me from Mm -hmm. our previous episode. And he uh, comes down and binges off on that uh, Breaking Bad massive series. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and how long were was it that you were doing the nutrition stuff? It was like a solid, what, two, three years or something like that? Yes. So moving down for the first six months, um, I needed to start taking some classes because I had an undergraduate in accounting and I needed that to translate into a master's. So for the master's degree, what they required you to have is an undergraduate degree, which I had. But I didn't have any basic nutrition courses. I didn't have any organic chemistry courses. Um, So I needed to take those. So I went to Life University, which is awesome school. I really like the ambiance over there and everybody. And I took organic chemistry and nutrition course to be able to qualify me into the master's program. I actually enrolled, enrolled in the first master's program that I thought, which was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I started the semester off and the courses were like, not what I wanted. So like instantly dropped the courses after like a couple weeks of being in them, got my full money back. And I transferred schools to the next semester into the University of Western States, which is in Portland. And that's where I pursued my master's in human nutrition and functional medicine, which I was absolutely like, if you're going to take a nutrition course and you want to be like on a functional side, you want to be like ahead of the curve, you want to be in something that's you know, not just looking at science or, or, you know, potentially false nutrition information, like that school kicks some serious butt. And yeah, super grateful that I did it, but like three years total to get through that. Yeah. Yep. And in the meantime, you know, Pokemon Go started. Yeah. So yeah, Pokemon Go started kind of as you were done with all of that pretty close to it. Um, so yeah, we got into Pokemon Go. You kind of know the story of that if you've listened to our previous episodes. If not, go take a listen and we kind of talk about how that started. And so Pokemon Go starts. We do that together for a solid year or whatever. And then I kind of fall off the bandwagon of it. And Billy decides to, you know, do this. Like at this point, we're entrepreneurs, right? That's just what our mindset is. Right. That's what we want to do. Like as a life, like we just keep trying stuff and trying and trying and trying, you know, in different businesses and different ventures until something is going to work to be an entrepreneur, because that's just what is ingrained in our blood at this point, right? Like we've, we've had Mm -hmm. several different businesses and we just love the fact of working for ourselves, making our own schedules, um, you know, having that flexibility and being able to really earn your keep, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, Billy just decides that he's going to make content. And unfortunately I didn't support him at this point very much just because it was something I didn't believe in. I thought the game was dead. Um, I was not in a good 
mindset at my work and stuff like that in my like life like i was in a very bad place probably for this year while he was starting to pick it up um so it did kind of tear us apart and we we went afk from each other for a while so as you started to build up into this new career the what what was your mindset of how i guess i guess my question to you would be did you think it would be successful? What was the time frame you were going to give it to be successful until you gave up? That would be my first question to you. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. tough. One. So it is, and like it was a really challenging point in my life as well because I just did my entire master's. I had my nutrition degree. I was working at a practice, and I was obsessed with Pokemon Go, and. Anytime anything in my life has come in between something that I really want to do and it's something that I'm not doing that's like the best. So I'll give you two examples. So in my personal training, and then I'll get into your question. My brother was studying abroad in Costa Rica. My dad was going to go visit him and I wanted to go. It was going for a week and I like, I really wanted to go and I could not get the time off at personal training. And that literally broke the camel's back for me. Like when I can't do something that I really want to do because of something else, it's constricting and like, boom, it's done. So that was done for me in that moment. And then going fast forwarding, now I'm in my nutrition practice, uh, seeing patients. And the first calm day comes about with Pikachu and I have four clients scheduled and I can't get off work. So and a in that day moment, is a community day. So this is the very f- yeah. first big event that Pokemon Go is doing. Very first. And it was in day. Chicago, we introducing correct? introducing a three-hour period where the Pokemon's going to be shiny. Mm-hmm. It's going to have an exclusive move. And I have like a very busy day. And while that felt fulfilling to me, the other aspect is I knew that my time wasn't my own. And I'm, I'm on somebody else's schedule. And when I'm on somebody else's schedule, I think Brad probably knows this pretty well about myself. It doesn't really work for me. Like I need it to be my schedule. Um, and I need to be when I'm, I'm agreeing to it. It's because I want to do it, not because somebody else is telling me I have to do it or, or their, their schedule, like personal training. Uh, our clients go on vacation this week in the summer. This is when you take vacation. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm super obsessed with Pokemon Go. And honestly, when I started playing Pokemon Go, me and Brad talked about it in the Miami episode as well. We absolutely had no concept that Pokemon Go was a YouTube thing. Like, absolutely no concept. We it, missed, we like missed the mark. Like, big I really time. do. Like, in, in my mind, there's no doubt that if we started Pokemon Go YouTube, granted, like, my content would probably be different and the dynamic would be different. For sure. Um, but, but you might also have your own would, channel now at that point as well. Like, we probably would have had a channel together and then you'd have your own channel separate as well because that's just how content works for sure. Or we just would have had like different segments on the channel and like you take mm-hmm. one day and I take the mm-hmm. next day, but regardless of how it would have worked Retrospect. out, I, I have no doubt we would have 500,000 subscribers. I just like, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, and just to, because of where, to kind of what preface we were it doing. on that for anybody that is, cause now we're going to kind of go into this content creation and what it means to be a content creator. And it is not an easy path. And that's why I asked Billy the question that I asked him of, yeah. And, and so we'll let him answer that of how, you know, how long was he going to give it to be successful? And did he think it was going to be successful? Because that is the hardest hurdle to get over is that part mm-hmm. that, that mindset right there. So, so what was your mindset with that question? 
Yeah. So I have Andy come who is also into fitness. I just want to preface this one last thing and then we'll jump right into it. And me, Brad and Andy, me and Andy are going to film all of these fitness videos and then we're going to start doing some editing. And I had no concept of what editing was at mm -hmm. the time. So Brad's like, I'll edit the videos. Me and Andy will film them. And so I remember Brad comes over to my condo and he pulls up Premiere on my computer because I think I had the Adobe suite at the time. Well, you guys, you guys came Photoshop to my house first and we filmed everything. Right. And I kind of showed yeah, you, so like, we, here's the lighting, here's how you do the camera stuff and yeah. kind of gave you guys the crash course on just filming. Yeah, so Brad gave us crash course. We film everything at Brad's house because um, he has enough space. I'm in a condo that's dark, so we don't have enough light. Film everything at Brad's place. And then I'm like, you know, Brad's like, yeah, I'll edit it. It's easy. And so Brad comes to my place and he literally like pulls up Premiere and I just watch him like throw this stuff together. And like, that's my training in editing, <laughs> legit. And like, I already understand how the Adobe products work and I, I understand how simple editing can be once you start like, like obviously it gets really hard. Like let's yeah. not Well, there's, there's so yeah. much in those programs that 99% yeah. of people don't need. Like if you're editing no. stuff, you can make a decent edit by knowing, you know, these five basic tools within Premiere, right. the other 9,000 features it has does not matter unless you're editing like a feature film. Like, let's be real with ourselves. Unless you're doing some crazy right. editing and effects and color balance and all these sorts of things, 99% mm -hmm. of people do not need to worry about that. You need to know how to cut something. You know how to ripple delete <laughs> something. You need to know how to yep. fade something and you're good to go. Like you don't need nothing yeah. else. <laughs> Everybody always asks me, yeah, you know, I, I literally use that analogy. They're like, is editing hard? I was like, do you know how, like if I gave you a piece of paper and I said, I want you to shorten this piece of paper and I give you scissors and glue, how are you going to do that? You're going to cut, cut, put it together and you're going to glue it. Right. And so that's literally what I saw Brad do an editing program. And I was like, oh, I could do that. And so like I, then this whole thing falls, Brad comes and is like, I, you know, I'm not really passionate enough to do that, which I totally get because it was going to be a lot of work. And at this point in time, Brad and I start falling off a little bit. And I, like, I, like Brad said, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, man, like, you know, I think I want to do Pokemon Go YouTube. And because I had been doing all this stuff, I've been developing like a little community around in Atlanta, which we'll mm -hmm. touch on, which is one of my keys to making your content successful. And then I saw that I could be teaching people stuff in person. I became popular for teaching people stuff. So I was like, hey, maybe if I, you know, my buddy's like, oh, there's YouTube for Pokemon Go. I saw it and I was like, oh my God, people do Pokemon Go YouTube. So I was like, I could do Pokemon Go YouTube if I could just translate this thought that I have that I can translate in person to people online and reach a bigger audience, like it could be successful. So honestly, like I did my first video and I was like in my mind, like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be such a star. Like the video is going to be great. I watch my first video back as I'm editing it because it's like a personal growth, you know, mm -hmm. you know how you grow and, and you're, you have to criticize yourself. And I was like, oh my God, this sucks. <laughs> and then I remember reaching out to Nabil too. And I was like, hey man, like I want to be a, po I don't even know why I did it, but you know, Nabil always says he's got contacts and stuff. So I was yep. like, hey man, I want to be a Pokemon Go YouTuber. Like if there's anybody that you can connect me with, he's like, all right, cool. And like in my mind, I was like, I didn't believe in myself. So I just reflected that I didn't believe in myself, that he didn't believe in me. So I was like, right, yeah, he probably he's probably just like, whatever, dude. And I was like, <laughs> OK, cool. So like in my mind, so I didn't really have that concept. It wasn't like I want to be successful at this. It was like, I think I can do this. And the first four months, I maybe put out like five videos. Mm -hmm. And so in that point, it wasn't anything like I was still kind of wandering 
And there wasn't anything in my mind that was like, I'm going to do this until when, or until I get successful, until I can do this. It was kind of just like, try this out, see what happens, see if I like it. And I was pulling a billy. And if you don't know what a billy is, it's basically like, if I'm not passionate about something, I like procrastinate it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like super half into it, half out of it. And it's just like, it's sad. So that's what I but start so with my YouTube channel. As content creating, whether it's YouTube or streaming or whatever, once you once you get in your mindset and you can say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take the leap of faith. This is going to be what my career is. Like you, you literally have to make that decision and you have to say, I am going to do this and I'm going to stick with this until it is successful. Because if you cannot yeah. put that mindset in your head for streaming or content creating, you're not going to be successful because it does not happen overnight. It does not happen in six months. It does not happen in a year. If you're lucky, it happens in two to three years. Most of the time it's three to five years. So it's like, you have to get this in your mind that you are going to go and commit three years of your life of building up a business. Cause that's literally what you're doing. You got to think, mm-hmm. does a restaurant just become successful when it first opens? No. Does any business? No, you have to build it up just because all these other people do this stuff and are successful. And I will use Ninja as a perfect example. He did not do this for a day and become the biggest name in content creation history. He was streaming for years, five, six, seven years before he became successful and he never gave up. He kept doing it. He kept sticking to it. He tried to change stuff to become successful and it finally worked. So like you have to say failure is okay, which we talked about in another option, like failure is an okay option. You might get 10 views for the first six months and putting out a video every single day, but that's okay. Because then in a year you might get a hundred and in two years you might get a thousand and in three years you might get 10,000. Right. Mm -hmm. And once you cross a threshold for content creating, it just steamrolls and then you're, 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 you rock and roll. Billy, you crossed that threshold like what four or five months ago, pretty much, where it like mm-hmm. really started to kick. So like it took Billy three years, right? Close to three years to really hit this like plethora for it to really just start to fuel itself, I would say. Right. Mm-hmm. So he could have given up at any point within these three years. and been like, Oh, I'm not hitting my goals. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But if he would have done that, then he never would have hit it. Right. If he would have stopped right. posting more videos, it would have just been a downhill spiral. But instead he went from pulling a Billy, as he said, to not being all about it and stuff. And what made you be all about it then? Yeah. So I went to California, still wandering, maybe five videos uploaded in April, 2018. So my channel started in October, 2017. I put out five videos. So I virtually didn't do YouTube. Like, let's just be real. Yeah. And then I come back in April and nothing really specific that inspired me. I just came back and I was like, I'm doing this and that's it. And that's, that's when it started. I was like, I am doing this full force. I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I'm just going to start doing this because at least I know I'm obsessed with Pokemon Go. I feel unproductive and I want to put my my energy that I'm using into something that's going to grow. Like I just need something that feels more productive for me. So I just came back and I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going full force. So 
that's just that's just like when it flipped in my mind. So I would say that like my true start date of my channel was April, like April 15th, 2018. Okay. So pretty much two years then. Yeah. So that's basically like when I'm like, see, my mind goes back to like summer of 2017, I guess, but that was, you know, video probably when I start, I talked about it and then I actually, my channel creation Mm -hmm. was, uh, yeah, October, I think it was like October 17th, 2017 or something like that. Yeah, so the build-up and starting the channel and everything like that. I mean, it's six months or whatever, six to eight months from when you actually decide to do it. So I'll go into some fundamentals. Let's just start with some fundamentals of what what, what I think you need, what I think is important when you're starting a channel. Number one is like, you're not going to post a video and it's going to get views today. Like, the internet is vast. There's algorithms. Like, you don't just post a video and get a million views unless it's on like Facebook where people are sharing it, that you already have friends, but you already have a small community in anything that's going to go viral or going to grow. So my number one key fundamental is you have to have a local uh, community in order for you to start growing something that you share your videos with like personal people that you know that Mm -hmm. already follow you or want to follow you in order for your stuff to gain traction. Yeah, try, try, try to get a couple hundred views by all of your local friends and family. Yeah, totally. Like for me, I was doing excellent throws. Anytime anybody had a really good raid boss that they wanted to catch and they weren't secure about catching it themselves, they would give it to me. So I knew that if I could translate that concept into a video to teach those people in my local community to catch their raid bosses for themselves and increase their catch chances, they're going to watch my video. This is how my mind's already working. So I knew that I needed to leverage my content in that direction. And so that's where I started with my local community. I was already popular in my local community. I was already kind of like a little local celebrity or whatever you want to call it because everybody wanted to raid with me because I got really good at this one thing. So just get really good at something, whether it be entertainment, whether it be knowledge, whether it be, uh, you know, strategy guide or whatever you're going to do. Or even if you don't even know that, just start your content and read your comments and people will tell you what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be afraid of reading a troll's comment like you suck. Like yeah, when I see that, I just, that. <laughs> I blow that over or I will respond. I'll be like, Hey, thanks for checking me out because they're checking me out. They, they put their energy into sure. my video. So and not only for checking, me out. checking you out, but they put energy into commenting on the exactly. video. And that's positive. Like they put a comment on your video, which is positive for the YouTube algorithm. So thank you for that comment. I don't care what it is, but most of the time, some people will be like, Hey, your video sucks. And then they'll drop you like a really positive thing after that, that like maybe sounding negative, like, you know, it would be really cool. Like if you, if you just like slowed this down, like that'd make your video so much better. And then yeah. you can think about it reflected. Like, is that going to make my content better? Is it like, I swear that like my content has gotten better from like haters. <laughs> For sure. They're like your content sucks because of this. And I'll think about it. And if it actually like resonates with me, like, Hey, this would make my content better. And I truly believe that I've changed. And I've morphed my content over time. Like if you go back and look at my old videos, they're awful. Honestly, though, it's not even like haters, right? It's how many times have you texted or got a text from somebody and you've read it in the wrong tone, right? Yeah. So it's like every person is going to write things differently. So they might just be writing something in what they think is a nice way to give you constructive criticism. But the way you read it back could be completely 180 of that, right? Yeah, but also sometimes like it's literally like your content is terrible is what they say. (laughs) And then they preface it with you could do this better. So it's like, right, right. But they're not. So your content is terrible, right? Yeah, is not actually terrible to them. It's it's terrible because of this one thing doesn't meet their 
hotsy totsy yeah. standard of of whatever mm-hmm. the one other person they watch is right you might be better <laughs> than the other million people that are putting content out there but because they they're comparing you to this one person they like that one person could be right. their best friend that has one viewer you have no idea right you don't. like you have no idea what they're what they're comparing you to they could be comparing you to somebody who's absolutely trash and then they're just saying you're trash because you're not their friend like who knows, right? You never know. They're internet trolls. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, don't know, know what they're going to be really saying or thinking. Know. So you just have to take it with a, a grain of salt to an extent and not take it personal. Because the second you start taking feedback personal, you're going to go sit in a corner and cry yourself to sleep. Yeah. And so sometimes I would take it personal, to be honest. But in my mind, I already flipped a switch that this is happening no matter what. And so nothing's going to hold me back. Yeah. And so for the first year, zero dollars earned. And I remember my buddy's like, how much money are you making? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not making any money. He's yeah. like, why are you doing this? I was in his car driving. And he's, and he's actually passed now, so rest in peace, Andy. Um, and I was like, I don't, like, I, and I didn't really have an answer for him. I just like, I just kind of like laughed to myself, like, you know, I don't really know, but I know I'm doing this. And I, I can see a little bit of growth in my channel. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. And as long as you start to see that and you start to see where it's going. I mean, I remember, you know, you hit a thousand, you know, subs. And then I remember like you hit 10,000 subs mm-hmm. and then 15,000. I was like, dude, you're going to hit a hundred K by the end of this year. You're like, I don't know, man. I think I'm going to get to like 25 <laughs> or something like that. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, dude. I you're like about 30. to cross Brad's that threshold. Like... <laughs> I Brad's admitted hard on it, man, but I was hoping for that threshold so to just kick over. Cause like I I've been in the, the content scene forever. Right. So like, I understand that once you hit this X threshold, depending on what yeah. the, the content is you're doing, like it just explodes and it's just mm-hmm. like nonstop growth. Then at that point, and I was right. assuming that that threshold was a little bit lower um, than it was. And I thought he was like, because he was getting real good traction. I was like, dude, you're about to break that threshold and you're just going to, um, and yep. it took a little bit longer than I predicted. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things though, where just starting to feed that positive stuff and having that goal of like, oh man, he put a video, okay, this video is getting a thousand views. Oh, my next one's getting 5,000 views. Oh, in three months is getting 10,000 views. And mm-hmm. now it's like, the numbers that Billy shoots for in an hour of putting a video out, like he's got to hit these like crazy numbers now. And it's just like, dude, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, so you start doing all that consistently and then where, where is your kind of tipping point in 2018, 2019 that it started to go to the next level. So you're doing videos consistently. At that point, you're doing what, a video a day every couple of days? What are you doing at that point? Yeah, so I decided, I think it was maybe another six months into it that I was getting consistent where I was probably putting out three videos a week where I was like, I'm gonna do a video a day because I started seeing some growth. And I was like, I'm just gonna keep putting a log in this fire because it looks like it's rewarding me. So I want as well build this fire bigger. And so, we all moved from Atlanta to Oregon and I started seeing some traction. I think I'm at like 20,000 subscribers. This is the end of 2018, 2018. And I put out a Beldum community day video and it literally like explodes like Brad's talking about. Like it went to like 90,000 views in three days. And previously my average for videos was maybe like five max 10,000 views. And I was like, what mm-hmm. just happened? 
And so that like just kind of gave me a new perspective. Like it wasn't that I was being deterred, but it was like, whoa, like look at this potential here. And so that just basically like lit me on fire. And I was like, okay, video per day. I'm doing this every single day. And it led me all the way until GoFest 2019 uh, in Chicago, coming in with 34,000. I remember like there was a YouTuber meetup. So in my mind, I thought like, eh, you know, maybe I'll have a couple of fans. And all of the other Pokemon Go YouTubers come in. There's a huge crowd for everybody. And like, I see, like, I just get that experience, not really as a participant, as a YouTuber. Like some people were recognizing me, but like, I was like, wow, like, you know, these people make an impact in people's lives. And I was like, this is really cool. Yeah. And I remember very specifically getting ready for that GoFest. This was kind of a new thing too. Like when he was recording everything, it was like, because before this, you were using your phone and, and stuff just for everything, right? When you're recording your videos. And then he kind of got to a point where he was like, okay, I need better audio quality. What can I do? And it's like, okay, well, you're using your phone. There's, you're really limited on the kind of options you can plug into your phone, whether it's a lav or a shotgun mic or whatever it is. And let's yeah. just be real recording stuff like that onto your phone. Eh, it's it's just, it's never going to work good. And mm-hmm. we didn't really, even myself, like I didn't have experience on the technology front really doing shoots like that with phones or anything. I'm so used to cameras and like, you know, having hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment on all the shoots I do. So I tried to do just some quick research for him and be like, look, here's the couple lobs that you can hook up to your phone that should work. They're super cheap. You know, they're like 20 bucks or something like that. So like spending 20 bucks to see if it works is really all you can do at this point when you're trying to figure stuff out. Um, And you know, so you, you did that, you got the love and you were yeah. at your go fest. And how, how did that kind of first experience of trying to make your content quality better go? Yeah, it went terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this experience that I told you with the YouTuber meetup was the second go fest, the first go fest meetup. I, uh, me and Brad, we talked about, so I used concepts that were like helped us out in other arenas Mm -hmm. in this current, like you just have to realize in life, like it's not separate. Everything that works, works. So I realized that by handing out these lanyards in MLG or um, Rhode Island, when we were in there handing out stickers and lanyards that we got a lot of traction from that. So what I thought is I'm going to go to this GoFest and I'm going to make a thousand trainer club stickers, but I'm not just going to make it about trainer club. I'm going to have a cool Pokemon graphic and then I'm going to put a little logo in there so that people, even if they don't like me or don't care about my YouTube channel, they'll still think the sticker is cool. Mm-hmm. So I get a thousand stickers printed. I give out 500 on the first day, 500 on the second day. I'm literally standing at the mouth of traffic in the GoFest and I'm like, I know that, like, where am I seeing the most cross sections? I'm like, oh, right there. So I literally go right there and I'm handing out stickers to everybody. I was like, hey, you know, I just started a YouTube channel. Like, it's called The Trainer Club. Here's a, st- a free sticker, a free sticker, free sticker, free sticker, giving everybody. I stamped, I bought a stamp and stamped my YouTube channel URL on the back. And you learned, sticker. and we learned about stamps from doing all the packaging for Bonafide. Exactly. <laughs> so I take these concepts that I already know that have worked for me and that are easy to do mm-hmm. and implement, and I do it all here. And I get this lav, right? And so Brad's like, yeah, dude, just do a lav, dude. And so at this time, I still didn't have a camera because my YouTube channel wasn't making me enough money. Um, I don't stay downtown. I literally commute every day. I think I maybe had like uh, 10,000 subscribers. And I'm, I'm, I'm in there. I use the lav. 
I didn't test the lava before. If you're going to test any this type is, of this new is, audio This is the biggest problem. He doesn't understand lesson. how test much you have to test always. stuff yet. Yeah, And like I me, I test stuff like months ahead of time and then weeks yeah. ahead of time and then days ahead of yeah. time and then hours ahead of time over and over and over again to make sure it's good. <laughs> yeah. So coming from Brad and Artie that he does audio stuff, like I just thought he knew that this was going to work. So I take Brad's word for this and I'm like, cool, I'll get a lot like, duh, like why wouldn't I get a lot? Plug it in I know that it works, phone audio, right? Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, it, nothing can go wrong because Brad's already tested it because Brad's a tester and he's thorough. So I, that's what I think going in here. I didn't realize that he was just kind of like blind recommending me like, hey, just get a lot. <laughs> and so I just get the lot. I don't test it like an idiot. That's my that's a, that's totally on me because anytime you get new audio, you have to test it. And I go to the GoFest, I plug it into my phone. And what I'm doing right now, because I don't have a, a camera to film externally of my phone, is I am playing on my phone. I encounter something cool, a shiny. I screen record it. And then I minimize the screen recording. I remember what happened. I put my phone up in front of my face and then I vlog it. Yeah. And that's literally my process. And then I go back, I play, and then I vlog with my phone. And then I go back and play and vlog with my phone. Well, that's I, how I did my I first also remember fest. too why you didn't test it because... Uh, it, this was like a spur of the moment thing. It was like three days mm. before the event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, here's a cheap thing that you can get. And I bought one at the same time as well, hoping that I would get it and be able to test it uh, at the same time and see how it works. And I was like, oh, maybe I could use this for stuff too. If he's going to be yeah. using this setup, maybe it works. And so like we both buy them. And I remember it came like the morning you were leaving. Mm -hmm. and and i didn't have mine yet and then it was just like oh well you wing it and then i remember testing it like next week and i'm like this thing's terrible <laughs> i honestly think that it wouldn't be so bad if you were in like a very quiet environment right and you're you didn't want to project your voice Lobs but the are not it's so outside. loud yeah it's so loud that like in order for me to like hear myself talking i'm mm -hmm. projecting right yep. so do the entire thing go fest day one this is definitely going to be a two-part episode because we're going to go into a lot, but I just want to leave you guys, if, unless you have anything else to add in here, Brad. No, we could we could wrap it and we could go into all the, the the next the next step. This was leading up to where we're at, and I think this it's is perfect the perfect place. This is to the go struggle of the YouTube. It, it it gets better from here, yep. right? So so the success starts coming after a massive amount of effort, like literally, I don't know, a thousand dollars earned or something like that in a total of a year and a half work. Obviously, if anybody else is doing anything else, you'd look at that and be like, "That's dumb. Stop." But you have to make so, it past the tipping point. You just, you have you to. Have to. You have to just do it. Like, regardless of what it is, just do it. It, it, it. In my mind, it was like, see this process through. See the process through. And if it doesn't work, at least I can say I tried my best. And I hadn't really said that since skateboarding, but I was going to do it here. So the audio is completely blown out. Like, just, it's, it was awful. Like, completely muffled. Sound like I was talking into a bag the whole time. I was completely destroyed. I think I ended up going home and editing it and it took me, I didn't know anything about syncing. The phone wasn't synced up. Obviously I wasn't using a camera and a phone. So it took me like eight hours. I think I slept like three hours, slept till 10. And then I was back in the city, even though I couldn't play uh, day one, uh, day two, because you could only play one day to give out more stickers because I, I realized that maybe my video sucks, but at least I can make some more tra traction and capitalize on this. So going back, put as much effort as I possibly could in this and regardless of whatever happened. And then it came to like Japan. There was an event in Japan. I really wanted to go that year and I was only at about 10,000. So I backed down. I was like, you know, this is probably isn't the time for me. I don't know. I don't have enough fluidity. I don't have a camera. 
Like it just didn't feel right. So I, I backed down from the Japan that year, even though I could make it work with a little amount of money I had, I was like, I just don't think I'm going to see the reward for the investment I'm going to make. And I don't think that it was worth it. So at that point I was like back inwards, continue the videos and how can I earn my channel to the next level so that my channel can start paying for new equipment so that I can become better at editing and I can start getting a camera and making my quality better. And that's like my main focus right here. Sweet. So that's the path of him starting to get into YouTube. So this is part one of two parts uh, for kind of, you know, choosing your career and everything. This next part we're going to go into is going to be following his journey from this tipping point of how can he make it successful to how successful it is now and kind of all the learnings that have gone into that. Um, so yeah, like, follow, subscribe, do all the fun things. And we'll see you next week. All right, guys. We'll see you out on the next episode. Peace.